This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of Duchenne muscular dystrophy from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is a common congenital condition caused by an X-linked recessive mutation leading to the absence of dystrophin protein that affects young males who present with progressive muscle weakness, scoliosis, and cardiomyopathy. Diagnosis is made with DNA testing showing an absence of the dystrophin protein. Treatment involves a multidisciplinary approach to address cardiomyopathy, pulmonary dysfunction, scoliosis, and foot deformities. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the prevalence of Duchenne muscular dystrophy is 2 to 3 per 10,000. In terms of demographics, Duchenne muscular dystrophy affects young males only, and the age of onset is between 2 to 6 years of age. Moving on to etiology, the pathophysiology of Duchenne muscular dystrophy involves dystrophin absence that leads to poor muscle fiber regeneration, as well as progressive replacement of muscle tissue with fibrous and fatty tissue. Note that skeletal and cardiac muscle lose elasticity and strength in Duchenne muscular dystrophy. As far as genetics, Duchenne muscular dystrophy is X-linked recessive. This involves an XP21.2 dystrophin gene defect due to point deletion and nonsense mutation. Note that one-third of cases result from spontaneous mutations. Associated conditions with Duchenne muscular dystrophy includes orthopedic manifestations like calf pseudohypertrophy, scoliosis, equinovirus foot deformity, and joint contractures. Non-orthopedic conditions include cardiomyopathy and static encephalopathy. Becker's muscular dystrophy is similar to Duchenne's in that it is sex-linked recessive, calf pseudohypertrophy is present, and CPK is elevated. Becker's muscular dystrophy differs from Duchenne's in that dystrophin protein is decreased instead of absent, there is later onset with slower progression and longer life expectancy, and though the average diagnosis occurs at age 8 compared to 2 years of age with Duchenne's. Know that Becker's muscular dystrophy is more prone to cardiomyopathy than Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. Moving on to physical exam, symptoms include progressive weakness affecting proximal muscles first, which begins with gluteal muscle weakness. Gait abnormalities include delayed walking, toe walking, clumsy waddling gait, as well as difficulty climbing stairs, hopping, or jumping. Patients may also have decreased motor skills. On physical exam, these patients will have calf pseudohypertrophy, secondary to infiltration of normal muscle with connective tissue, deep tendon reflexes that are present unlike spinal muscular atrophy, lumbar lordosis to compensate for gluteal weakness, Gower's sign, in which a patient will rise by walking hands up the legs to compensate for gluteus maximus and quadriceps weakness, and finally, patients may reveal a Trendelenburg sign. As far as the evaluation of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, Labs will have markedly elevated CPK levels, that is 10 to 200 times normal, and know that CPK leaks across the defective cell membrane. A muscle biopsy will show connective tissue infiltration and foci of necrosis. Know that a muscle biopsy will show absent dystrophin with staining. DNA testing will show an absent dystrophin protein, and EMG will reveal myopathic changes such as decreased amplitude, short duration, and polyphasic motor potentials. Now, let's go over the differential diagnosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We'll go over similarity and distinguishing features of the differential diagnosis, and we'll talk about Becker's muscular dystrophy, spinal muscular atrophy, Emery-Dreyfus dystrophy, limb girdle dystrophy, and Guillain-Barre syndrome. So starting with Becker's muscular dystrophy, similar traits to Duchenne's include calf pseudohypertrophy, markedly elevated CPK, and X-linked transmission. Distinguishing traits from Duchenne's is that Becker's has slower progression of weakness with the diagnosis made later at approximately 8 years, and as we previously mentioned, Becker's muscular dystrophy is more prone to cardiomyopathy. 
Moving on to spinal muscular atrophy, similar traits to Duchenne's muscular dystrophy is proximal weakness. Distinguishing traits from Duchenne's of spinal muscular atrophy includes the onset of weakness is earlier in childhood, there are absent deep tendon reflexes and fasciculations, CPK levels are normal, and pseudohypertrophy is absent. Moving on to Emery-Dreyfus dystrophy, as far as similar traits to Duchenne's, it has a similar clinical picture. Distinguishing traits from Duchenne's includes no calf pseudohypertrophy, CPK levels are near normal, and elbow as well as ankle contractures develop early. Moving on to limb girdle dystrophy, similar traits to Duchenne's include progressive motor weakness, and as far as distinguishing traits from Duchenne's, there is no calf pseudohypertrophy, and CPK levels are only mildly elevated. Finally, moving on to Guillain-Barre syndrome, as far as similar traits to Duchenne's, these patients will have acute onset of weakness, and as far as distinguishing traits from Duchenne's, these patients will have absent deep tendon reflexes, and CPK levels will be normal. Moving on to treatment of Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes corticosteroid therapy, that is specifically prednisone 0.75 mg per kilogram per day. Indications include 5- to 7-year-old children with progressive disease. The goals will be to maintain ambulatory capacity as long as possible. As far as outcomes, there is a significant positive effect on disease progression. Corticosteroid therapy will acutely improve strength, slow progressive weakening, prevent scoliosis formation, and prolongs ambulation. It also delays deterioration of pulmonary function. Side effects, however, include osteonecrosis, weight gain, cushingoid appearance, GI symptoms, mood lability, headaches, short stature, and cataracts. Non-operative management of Duchenne's muscular dystrophy will also include pulmonary care with nightly ventilation, and as far as rehabilitation, techniques will include physical therapy for range of motion exercises, adaptive equipment, power wheelchairs, and KAFO bracing, that is knee, ankle, foot orthosis bracing, however this is controversial. Operative options for Duchenne muscular dystrophy include soft tissue releases to prolong ambulation, as well as scoliosis surgery. Indications for soft tissue releases to prolong ambulation include an ambulatory child with Duchenne's. As far as the techniques, hip abduction contractures are treated by release of the iliotibial band. Hip flexion contractures are treated by release of the sartorius, rectus femoris, and tensor fasciolata. Other techniques include hamstring releases as well as Achilles tendon and posterior tibialis lengthenings. Postoperative care includes early mobilization and ambulation to prevent deconditioning. Now, let's talk about scoliosis in the setting of Duchenne muscular dystrophy in a bit more detail. As a quick introduction, scoliosis in Duchenne muscular dystrophy is considered a neurogenic curve. It occurs in 95% of patients after becoming wheelchair-dependent. The curve progresses rapidly from age 13 to 14 years old. It begins with mild hyperlordosis. It progresses with general kyphosis and scoliosis with varying degrees of pelvic obliquity and progresses 1 degree to 2 degrees per month, starting at age 8 to 10 years. Patients may become bedridden by age 16. Treatment is complicated by restrictive pulmonary disease as there is a significant decrease in forced vital capacity. Know that cardiac and pulmonary function studies should be obtained preoperatively as significant declines in function of both organ systems may make spinal fusion too high risk. Treatment of scoliosis in the setting of Duchenne muscular dystrophy is typically operative. As typical non-operative treatment of scoliosis is bracing, and this is contraindicated in Duchenne muscular dystrophy as it may interfere with the respiration. Operative options include early posterior spinal fusion with instrumentation, posterior spinal fusion with instrumentation to the pelvis, as well as anterior and posterior spinal fusion. Early posterior spinal fusion with instrumentation is indicated for curves of 20 to 30 degrees in a non-ambulatory patient. 
These patients will be treated early before pulmonary function declines. However, you can wait longer to approximately 40 degrees if patients are responding well to corticosteroids. Other indications for early posterior spinal fusion with instrumentation is when the FVC drops to less than or equal to 35% and in the setting of a rapidly progressive curve. Indications for a posterior spinal fusion with instrumentation to the pelvis includes curves greater than or equal to 40 degrees, pelvic obliquity of greater than or equal to 10 degrees, and a lumbar curve where the apex is lower than L1. As far as complications, know that malignant hyperthermia is common intraoperatively, and these patients will be pretreated with dantrolene. Other complications include intraoperative cardiac events. Finally, anterior and posterior spinal fusion is rarely indicated for stiff curves. Finally, anterior and posterior spinal fusion is indicated rarely for stiff curves. Now, let's go over equinovarus foot in the setting of Duchenne muscular dystrophy in a bit more detail. This is a common foot deformity seen with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The pathoanatomy involves muscle imbalance secondary to muscle replacement with fibrofatty tissue. As far as the diagnosis, this is made upon clinical exam. Treatments can be non-operative, which includes stretching, physical therapy, and nighttime AFO use. And operative options include tendo-Achilles lengthening with posterior tibialis tendon transfer as well as toe flexor tenotomies. Finally, let's end this review session talking about the prognosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Most patients are unable to ambulate independently by age 10. Most are wheelchair-dependent by age 15, and most die of cardiorespiratory problems by age 20. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A concerned mother brings in her three-year-old son for consultation. Though he is currently asymptomatic, the mother is concerned as her brother had a, quote, muscle disease that enlarged his calves and made his spine crooked. This condition led to an early death, and she's concerned that her son may have the same disease. Which of the following diagnostic tests could be performed at this time to screen for the presence of disease? And the choices are 1. DNA analysis, 2. Serum creatine kinase, 3. Serum creatinine, 4. Muscle biopsy, and 5. Western blot of muscle tissue. The correct answer to this question is 2. Serum creatine kinase. So serum creatine kinase is a first-line screening tool for muscular dystrophy even prior to symptom manifestation. Duchenne muscular dystrophy and Becker muscular dystrophy are X-linked recessive diseases of muscle characterized by a progressive loss of functional muscle mass and replacement with fiber fatty tissue. CK is a first-line screening tool for patients whom the diagnosis is suspected as values are elevated even prior to symptom manifestation, likely secondary to increased cell membrane permeability. Increases in CK may also be detected in the mothers of patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Sussman et al. performed a review of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. They report that the cell membrane in Duchenne muscular dystrophy is abnormally permeable and leaks CK into the serum of affected individuals. It is positive when the serum CK level is greater than 5,000 units per liter. Although the clinical picture and markedly elevated serum CK levels frequently are sufficient to allow the diagnosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy or Becker's muscular dystrophy to be made, these factors do not differentiate between Duchenne muscular dystrophy and Becker's muscular dystrophy, and further testing should be performed. Mendel et al. performed a study to evaluate a newborn screening tool for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. They performed a study looking at CK levels on dried blood spots on newborns. 
They also performed mutation analysis in those who had increased CK levels for confirmation. They found six mutations in 37,649 newborn male subjects, all of whom had CK levels of greater than 2,000 units per liter. They conclude that this newborn screening tool may be utilized to screen for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, DNA analysis may be performed if the serum CK is elevated as a confirmatory test. Answer 3, serum creatinine is not a screening tool for muscular dystrophy. Answer 4, a muscle biopsy may be performed if the serum CK is elevated as a confirmatory test. And finally, answer 5, western blot of muscle tissue may be performed if the serum CK is elevated as a confirmatory test. And moving on to the next question. A four-year-old boy presents to your clinic for evaluation of clumsiness. His parents state that he began walking at 30 months of age. They note that he has not been able to keep up with his peers in athletic activities. He is unable to climb steps without the aid of a handrail. On exam, he stands with increased lumbar lordosis and a wide base stance. When asked to rise from a seated position on the floor, the child first rolls into a crawling position on all four limbs, stands up by extending his knees, and uses his upper extremities bracing against his thighs to help elevate his trunk. You confirm the diagnosis with serum enzyme assay followed by DNA analysis. The parents ask you what the chances are of their child passing on this genetic disease to his male offspring. And the choices are 1, 0%, 2, 25%, 3, 50%, 4, 75%, and 5, 100%. The correct answer to this question is 1-0%. So this patient has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This is an X-linked recessive disorder. As such, only female carriers can pass on the disease to their offspring. Males can only pass on the trait. Duchenne muscular dystrophy is characterized by progressive muscle weakness, starting with proximal muscles. Patients often present to orthopedic surgeons for clumsiness, tone walking, late walking, or poor physical abilities. Diagnosis can be confirmed with serum creatine kinase levels, which will be elevated. Two-thirds of cases can be absolutely confirmed with DNA testing. Muscle biopsy may be necessary to confirm the remainder of cases. And moving on to the final question, which of the following is true regarding scoliosis in patients with untreated Duchenne muscular dystrophy? And the choices are 1. Small curves are likely to remain stable over time. 2. 50% of all patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy will develop scoliosis. 3. Spinal fusion should be offered when the Cobb angle reaches 20 to 30 degrees. 4. Scoliosis in Duchenne muscular dystrophy is responsive to bracing. And 5. Scoliosis surgery is ideally performed at skeletal maturity in patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. The correct answer to this question is 3. Spinal fusion should be offered when the Cobb angle reaches 20 to 30 degrees. So once identified, scoliosis should be treated with posterior instrumented fusion in all patients with untreated Duchenne muscular dystrophy once the curve Cobb angle reaches 20 to 30 degrees. To quickly review, scoliosis develops in 90 to 95% of patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, usually between ages 11 and 13 when patients have progressed to full-time sitting. Surgery should not be delayed because curves in Duchenne muscular dystrophy are progressive, not responsive to bracing, and patients have usually reached sufficient trunk height. The older the patient is, the greater the risk of postoperative pulmonary complications. In the setting of steroid treatment of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, there is less consensus on indications for spinal fusion, with some practitioners using more traditional Cobb angle measures to indicate fusion. 
To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, small curves are likely to remain stable over time is incorrect, as unlike adolescent idiopathic scoliosis in which small curves may remain stable over time after maturity, small curves and Duchenne muscular dystrophy inevitably progress. Answer two, 50% of all patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy will develop scoliosis is incorrect, as 90 to 95% of patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy will develop scoliosis. Answer four, scoliosis in Duchenne muscular dystrophy is responsive to bracing is incorrect, as scoliosis in Duchenne muscular dystrophy is not responsive to bracing. Finally, answer five, scoliosis surgery is ideally performed at skeletal maturity in patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy is incorrect, as scoliosis surgery should be performed before pulmonary function deteriorates significantly. Patients whose forced vital capacity is less than 35% of normal, which typically occurs at 15 years of age in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, are at high risk of pulmonary complications. That's all for this review about Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.